Hello and welcome to our podcast from C to C, the podcast where we cover Canadian authors covering Canadian issues from C to C. On today's episode, we discuss Tanya Tlaga, an Indigenous writer who's been writing for the Toronto Star for over 20 years. Tanya Tlaga is a Canadian journalist and author of Anishinaabe Descent. She has been working for the Toronto Stars for over 20 years, covering a variety of topics. More recently, she's covered Indigenous issues and been extremely vocal about solutions to the Wet'suwet'en pipeline crisis, as well as the water crisis in Northern Ontario. In today's episode, we'll be covering her response to growing Indigenous issues, such as the Manitoba landfill crisis, her article on the inquiry and missing Indigenous women, as well as her article titled, To Lift Up the Indigenous People, Protect the Children. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ari Nagratha and Tony Zhang, both avid readers in Tanya Tlaga and experts in literary analysis. Today, we'll be discussing Tanya Tlaga's global issue, as well as global theme, of the challenge of introducing social change. Social change can range anything from Indigenous issues to other areas of the government, accepting and promoting Indigenous culture. Tanya Tlaga has maintained this theme throughout all her articles. The work we've chosen to analyze today exhibits some of the best of Tlaga's writing and is a comprehensive entry into her opinion and solutions for these Indigenous problems. Tanya Tlaga, aside from being an accomplished writer, also hosted the 2018 CBC Massey Lecture Series. In recent times, her writing has been primarily on Indigenous issues, and her recent comments and articles, which we'll be analyzing today, have sparked much debate online as well as in the House of Commons. The first article we'll be looking at is titled, Manitoba, Do the Right Thing, Search the Landfills. And I'll hand over to my co-host, Tony Zhang. Last year, in June, the body of Rebecca Contois, age 24, and this April, the body of Linda Mary Beardy, age 33, were found in a Manitoba landfill. And it is suspected that currently there are the remains of at least two more murdered women, Morgan Harris, age 39, and Mercedes Myron, age 26, in another private landfill 40 kilometers north of the original one. I'd also like to touch on the unique um, literary elements Tanya Talaga uses in this article, as she really tries to appeal to pathos in this article, especially with the uses of symbolism, imagery, diction, and illusion amongst the articles to really get readers to understand the emotions of the families of these victims and how the Saskatchewan government should go forward looking for these bodies. Tanya Talaga especially uses symbolism with the mentioning of the red dress in many different places amongst the article, as invokes the audience into feeling sympathy for the murder indigenous women and others. And it's also a very powerful technique to spread the message to others who may not know much about this issue. With the extensive imagery that Tanya Talaga uses, she puts in description of these landfills and how hidden these bodies may be, along with the fact that she uses a unique choice of words, such as a grave site for the landfill. And um, I'd like to pass on to Tarn to add more about the illusion. Thank you very much, Aaron. A common theme in Tlaga articles is her very critical and cynical tone. Uninformed readers might simply view this as the easy way out. It's extremely easy to criticize the people in power. However, in Tlaga's case, the reason is much more clever. Tlaga analyzes issues not from a general public perspective, but from an indigenous perspective. Her target audience primarily, and first, is just indigenous readers, and then the general public. When she writes, it's as if she's speaking directly to her readers, not towards a broader group of people who then the smaller group will interpret it as. Tulaga is cynical because she has every right to be cynical. The groups she's writing to represent, in her words, 
don't have the liberties that other Canadians have. They have communities that are subject to bureaucratic policy, and they have and they're representing communities that are suffering indigenous issues. I'd like to pass this back to Arun. Yeah, I'd also like to speak based on what Tarn was saying about the global implications and the context that Tanya Talaga brings this article in. Tanya Talaga brings in this article after several developments in truth and reconciliation have been made, especially across the country. For example, the founding of grave sites at Kamloops Residential School. I'd like to bring focus onto the comments section of this article. As some comments significantly supported the idea of the landfills being searched, as it helped bring closure to this constant argument, it helped bring truth and reconciliation to these communities that have been repressed by the Canadian government and others for so long. But I'd also like to bring stress onto like other to do side and support with Indigenous peoples of Canada, but do believe this money can be used elsewhere. Several commenters believe that Canadian government or the Saskatchewan government can use this money or the, the, the funds that would be used to originally search for the bodies, and they could use this money to help support and lift up education in these Indigenous communities. I'd like to pass it on to Tony to add more on this issue. Arian touched on the comments there, which is actually quite an important part of the articles. So these comments are an excellent example of our global issue that we will discuss today as right now it is extremely difficult to introduce social change. The ongoing debate in these comments indicate the difficulty in bringing about social change, as not only are some actions met by government oppression, as seen in this article with Premier Stephenson's refusal to conduct the search, bringing about social change is also impacted by long-standing racism through multiple generations and deep-rooted previous beliefs of the general public. And this is why Talaga's articles are so important, as education is key to social change in this area. Lastly, before we move on to analyzing some of Tanya Talaga's other works, I'd like to touch on the unique tone she uses in the article. Generally, as we'll see in the future through our analyzation of articles number two and three, Tanya Talaga has a very shifting tone amongst her many different for example, through reading this one where she talks about the serious events that happened in this Saskatchewan community with the missing and murdered woman, Tanya Talaga uses angry, negative, and desperate tone when discussing the operations of searching the landfill and uses this demanding tone to request that the Saskatchewan government make changes and, and conduct a search operation for these landfills. She gives a real sense of urgency for the government to commence a search operation, but Tanya Talaga tends not to be too technical in considering the other standpoints of this operation such as the cost and the amount of time that we'd be put into it. Along with this, I'd also like to recognize that she doesn't, she, has, she didn't really honor the facts that several others in the comment section were honoring on how could this money be used to help rebuild the families affected and the communities affected. And I feel like this is something we'll end up realizing in the next few articles, which actually um, correspond with, with different events that have taken place to allow for reconciliation in these, um, in these communities. Now I'm going to talk about uh, the second article that we will be analyzing today, written by Tanya Talaga for the Global Mail, which is called To Lift Up Indigenous People, Protect the Children. So the context for this article is that a new blue building has opened up in Fort Albany, Ontario, which will be the home of a First Nations child protection program initiated by the Canadian government. Representatives at the opening ceremony for this new blue building in town included Jocelyn Sutherland, who is the child welfare manager in this region. The importance for the construction of this new building is that it is in Fort Albany, which is a locate, which was a location that was home to the St. Anne's Residential School that was opened in the 1900s, having some of the most harrowing abuse against Indigenous children out of all residential schools in Canada. 
The overall goal of this new blue building is to help with the rebuilding of families in the area and to bridge the gaps created by the residential school system. The, the, the goal of this blue building is to increase support and to increase therapy for the children in the region. I'd now like to pass it on to Tarn to talk about the impacts of this article. The article covers issues that have been battling in Indigenous communities for several years now. And as Arian mentioned, this town is the site of a former residential school, and thus there's been an immense amount of scarring from the horrors of the residential school system, uh, which only ended in the 1990s, so very fresh in people's minds. The building has been another area of much debate, as some believe that the cost has outweighed the benefit. However, for this community, it's all the more important. The topic of moving on is often very much discussed in reconciliation, and many people misinterpret the idea of reconciliation as moving past. But Tanit Log has been very vocal on that, that it's been an ongoing process. And in some of her articles, she believes the process hasn't even started yet. I'd like to pass it on to my co-host, Tony. An element of this article that I would like to touch on in particular is the change in tone from our previous article, The Man Total Landfills. Compared to the harsh criticism of that article, the tone that she uses in this article is far more positive. As she talks about building that new building, Talaga speaks positively on how the center will rebuild the community that was severely devastated by residential schools. Her tone is more hopeful and reflective, as she talks about the positive response that the government had due to the rise in welfare since the closure of the final residential schools nearby. This tone stresses the importance of rebuilding culture and assisting with the generational trauma that has torn through the community. And in particular, some language used to describe this upcoming event, such as waiting for the red ribbon to be cut, and the emphasis of the efforts of Jocelyn Sutherland and her team conveys a sense of optimism and achievement. However, this tone is not entirely positive, as her writing also carries a somber and reflective undertone, as this area is formerly home to the St. Anne Residential School, which is known for several deaths and harrowing abuse against children at the school. However, in general, this article is oriented to this, to this solution that is upcoming, uh, the unveiling of this new building, and how the government is finally doing something about the former residential schools. And in general, the tone is far more hopeful and optimistic than the previous article. Now back to Arian. All right, so now I'd like to emphasize the, the impact of global issues that, that this article showcases. So this article showcases some social change, but social change in a different method as conveyed in the first article. Tanya Talaga mentioned social change through the means of education and the gaps created in the community by the former residential school and the harrowing abuse against Indigenous children. Tanya Talaga emphasizes the need for education as a method of rebuilding this community, especially with helping with the children. Through the um, visiting of the child welfare manager from the region, Tanya Talaga stresses the importance of education and how this new blue building will help rebuild the gaps and create a new sustainable uh, community in the future. With the Canadian government dedicating funds to reconciliation efforts, Tanya Talaga greatly acknowledges this and that developments have been made in certain communities across Canada. Third article we'll be reviewing, titled, The Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Has Spoken. The article discusses the proposed changes by the Liberal government on Bill C-75. Bill C-75 was a government's attempt at creating justice and criminal reforms to address the decades-long systematic disruption affecting Indigenous communities, and more particularly Indigenous women. Indigenous women, for the past 75 years, have been affected by domestic abuse, violence, and murder at a rate disproportionately higher than that of the other Canadian population, as well as their gender peers. 
Tulaga has been extremely vocal on this issue for the past decade. And when this bill was introduced, she was one of the first critics of the bill. Other critics cite the lack of defined reasoning, as well as lack of overall purpose of the legislation, and simply waving around common virtue signaling terms. I'll now hand it over to Tony to explain why. Once again, Talaga effectively uses many, many literary elements in her work in order to effectively convey her point. Again, she uses symbolism, this time in the form of photographs of First Nations models and reserves along with images of the legislative building. She uses imagery when describing the atmosphere in the House of Commons where the bill was being discussed, along with the depictions of the violence against women. Her diction was clear, her choice of words such as telling omission, murder, and guilty conscience. Her tone this time, in, com in comparison to the previous two, is once again angry, negative, and critical. She's cynical when mentioning the Indigenous people's responses, she restates the lack of effect the legislation will have, and she uses different tones in this article to differentiate the positive and negative effects that have impacted the Indigenous communities in Canada. One particular element I would like to touch on in this article is a common trope that Talaga uses in her writing, and that is rhetorical questions. In this article, it takes place in the form of the question, in what court, anywhere, is an individual's body part, not to mention private body part, preserved and then brought out to display when criticizing the courts? This is a strong technique which appeals to pathos. It emphasizes her points. It provokes the audience. It makes them think, which increases audience engagement and it also persuades the audience, which is why she uses this in many of her articles. Next, I would like to pass on to Aryan for implications and context. Now I'd like to discuss the implications and the global values associated with this article that Tanya Tulaga has wrote. In several of Tanya Tulaga's work, she, she tends to discuss many, she tends to discuss some possible solution, but mainly outlines the problems that have occurred, whether that be with the population or the Canadian government. But in this article, Tanya Tulaga discusses the unique and personal stories of many of these Indigenous women who've had their daughters, mothers, or sisters even murdered or have gone missing for several decades and even many years. And Tanya Tulaga also fails to bring about solutions when it comes to addressing these tra tragedies. Tanya Tulaga Laga brings about several stats about the homicide rates and how they're, they can tend to be higher for Indigenous women, but she fails to bring about solutions on how governments and populations and people all around Canada can help address these issues. I'd like to pass this on to Tarn to touch more on this issue. Tulaga is extremely vocal about the lack of targeted as well as effective legislation to solve these problems, as well as being overall well-versed and critical of the problem as a whole. Simply put, Critics say that this bill does too little. However, to understand why this legislation is considered ineffective, we must first take a step back and analyze the problem as a whole. As previously stated, Indigenous women are murdered at a disproportionately higher rate than the rest of Can Canadians, and these issues are overlooked in the legislation. As Tlaga puts, the legislation does not effectively address the needs of Indigenous women and does not view it through an Indigenous woman's lens. This quote exemplifies the situation perfectly. The legislation fails to take into account the actual issues that cause the increased rates of violence as well as murder in Indigenous communities, suffering from decades of neglect by the government, as well as lack of funding for programs such as domestic abuse as well as women's shelters. As Slaga would state in an interview with the Toronto Star a few weeks after this article was published and during the height of the Bill C-71 debate in Parliament, she stated that a proper bill would target these systems first, as well as represent funding 
as well as taking the considerations of the report into further account. As re longtime readers of Tlaga's work, this is a very common theme that she demands proper solutions to the problems and doesn't accept politicians' virtue signaling. And this is one of the best parts about reading a Tlaga work due to the fact that she openly is critical and provides solutions of her own, simply not victim blaming. Sure. Speaking of solutions, it's time to move on to the conclusion. In this podcast so far, we've analyzed three of Tlaga's best works. She has several different opinions, as well as goes in depth into a variety of different issues. And we believe that this podcast has encompassed her literary style in great depth. I'd now like to pass it over once again to Tony to summarize what we've discussed today, as well as discussing common themes and elements in all three of her podcasts. So despite longstanding deep-rooted prejudice and the historical impact still felt today, all contributing to the difficulty in bringing about social change today, Tanya Talaga's work is effectively fighting this uphill battle, and one of the ways she does this is through the merit of her work. In general, her work has very high merit. In terms of literary merit, as we have touched on th all throughout this podcast, she effectively uses many literary elements, in particular a differing tone in each article, and asking many rhetorical questions. Her work also contributes to the advocacy for justice and holds government ac actions accountable, which adds to the social merit of her work. And finally, her work recognizes and promotes indigenous perspectives, cultural semblance, and resilience, which adds to the cultural merit of her work. I would now like to pass it on to Arian. Now I'd like to give my overall assessment on the articles that we read from Tanya Talaga. So today we've read three different articles from Tanya Talaga, each contrasting in several different ways, with some inciting the solutions that have occurred to help with the truth and reconciliation efforts among Canadians, while certain articles have dived deep into the problems and the issues that have surrounded us in Canada as we move towards our truth and reconciliation goals. One of these articles where Tanya Talaga took more of a negative, demanding tone was in the article where she discussed the missing indigenous women and how we must search the landfills for them. In this article, Tanya Talaga significantly touches on the problems that have occurred in these communities in Saskatchewan and how the, how the Saskatchewan government should use its monetary funds to help conduct a search effort, while she rarely focuses on, on other solutions that involve encompassing the, and healing the indigenous populations affected by these issues. We commonly feel that Tanya Talaga has has often incited some solutions, but often is not insightful solutions that other people may support. But on top of this, Tanya's Talaga does create a positive tone, especially when it comes for when it comes to efforts created to help lift up different populations across the country, especially when it comes to the populations of children whose parents and grandparents have experienced intergenerational trauma from the residential schools and, and the pausing of culture that was initiated by the Canadian government a long time ago. And um, Tanya Talaga essentially enlists a positive tone here as she's happy and excited with all the with all the positive efforts that the Canadian government has put through to help reconciliation in these communities. Overall, I'd say that Tanya Talaga is a highly recommended source for reading as she does dive into many of these issues that are suppressing Canada and also speaks on possible solutions along with the problems occurring that have caused damage or helping with truth and reconciliation in these Indigenous communities. Thank you, Arian, for your take. As we've discussed, Talaga's articles that we've analyzed are her three best from the past five years. They analyze a variety of indigenous issues through a variety of different lens on a variety of different topics, yet they all have a few key similarities. Her tone is that of criticism, 
if not criticism out of being critical for the sake of it. Criticism on the hope of finding a proper solution. Plaga demonstrates her genuine passion for the topic, as well as her personal connection, offering comprehensive as well as realistic solutions for the problems Indigenous Canadians face across the country. I'd like to thank Arian as well as Tony for joining me on this podcast today and for the good conversation. If you yourself would like to join the conversation, please leave a comment down below. Until next time on C to C.